from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. George Campbell, Ramsey personality, soon to be a number one best-selling author of the book Breaking Free from Broke, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Dave starts this hour in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Good afternoon. Hey, what's so up? My, my question is, uh, my wife and I are on Baby Step 7. And we want to be able to help out our kids. We have grown adult kids. Uh, one of them just got married, and the other one is a grad student in college. And we want to be able to help them in such a way that, you know, whether it's paying, you know, helping pay for a, a down payment on a house or something like that, we, we want to help them and have it be a blessing, but not make them feel entitled or not, you know, kind of make them feel like they're just waiting on us to, to provide. Mm-hmm. Are they waiting on you now? Oh, no, no. So there's not already a sense of entitlement. You're just worried that handing them $30,000 might create more entitlement? Right. Hmm. I mean, they, you know, we, like, throughout the course of them growing up, you know, we, we paid for their, their state college. Uh, you know, they we basically provided them, you know, when they graduated from undergrad, you know, we got them a nice, reliable used car and kind of set them on the path and said, all right, you're, you're, you know, you're never going to borrow money to buy stuff like that. You know, you're the next car you buy, you're going to save up and pay cash for it. Uh, you know, you're, you're not going to have any student loans. Um, and are so they doing, are they all, doing all of those things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, um, good. Well, here's the thing. I don't think the gift causes the entitlement. I mean, you could give one person uh, a dollar and they would be entitled, and you could give another person a hundred million dollars and they wouldn't feel entitled. So entitlement is an arrogance. Entitled is I am due the I, I'm I'm on third base. Uh, I was born on third base, walking around acting like I hit a triple. You know, and you didn't do squat. You know, so entitlement is I am due something from someone there's an it's an arrogance and uh it's my right to get this i'm entitled to health care i'm entitled to something and it's your it's it's basically saying you're willing to you, you improperly believe that you have rights over someone else's stuff right that makes sense so entitlement oh, sure. is an attitude. It's not a. It's not caused by an amount. And so it sounds like you got really good kids that you're describing. Yeah, yeah. I mean they they worked really hard for for everything they have. I mean I'm I'm a teacher, so uh, you know I feel like they, you know they we live in a a pretty nice suburb, and yeah. you know the reason that they had their schooling paid for is because we didn't go out and buy all the things that maybe yeah. their friends had and. You know, we, but they didn't, they didn't walk around acting like that you had to do that or you were a bad human. It was just what you did. And so, you know, like, you know, I have a friend that bought his uh, kids when they got married, he bought them a paid for house and said, um, you know, you, the only thing I ask from you is that you promise to never borrow money the rest of your life. And, uh, those kids have gone on to become millionaires fairly quickly, obviously got a head start with a nice house, you know I mean? And they got no payments. So they're 
piling it up. But <clears throat> those kids were not entitled at all. They they were just grateful, and um, I know the kids well, and, and they were, um, you know, they've gone on to become normal grown adults, and they just got a real nice head start because dad because their dad and mom had done well, like you guys. So I, I think it's about the attitude. Uh, the thing you don't want to do, I, I guess, one thing you could say is just, you know, don't develop an expectation with this gift of this down payment for this house that i'm always going to be here handing out money this is a one-time thing and you could just say that one thing to make sure there's clarity about it right but but the entitlement has to do with their lack of character not about you giving them a, 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 a an education or giving them a car or giving them money for a down payment does that make sense yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I guess the other thing I question I have with that is, you know, I, I want to, I, you know, this is a gift. I mean, I'm not, I know I hear you constantly talk about how, you know, when your kids are grown, you can't use your dad voice anymore. You, right. you know, you, they're, they're basically, we're, we're walking together as, as friends and yep. maybe, you know, I'm, I can be a mentor, but you know, I can suggest some things, but ultimately it's, it's their choice. And so, you know, that's the thing. Well, my gift, you know, my you gift know. would be contingent upon them, you know, doing these things. I mean, I, I don't have to, the, the, a promise that they continue to go that direction. Uh, and I do have the right to attach that with a gift. I'll give you an example. The Ramsey Family Foundation, we give to a lot of ministries. We do not give to ministries that borrow money. And so the gift is contingent upon, you know, the, the, the fact that that ministry is not going to go into debt. And, and use some of the money I gave them to pay stinking bank interest. That'd be stupid. Dave Ramsey be giving people money for that, right? So, I mean, right. that, but that's a gift that has control on it. And, you know, if there's going to be a gift in another year, uh, that the follow-up gift will not happen if they have borrowed money during that year. We stop them, you know? So it's the same thing. But that, that so it's okay to put a, a to attach a, contingency to a gift yeah and i i think the worry for our friend dave here is that he's worried his generosity of trying to offer them this blessing will turn into laziness but he hasn't raised lazy kids so this will not cause that to happen the gift in and of itself doesn't cause that to happen i mean it can can be part of the equation that caused it i mean if you got a trust fund baby that's waiting on okay i'm gonna you know at at age 30 you're gonna get two million dollars and so they decide, well, I'm not going to work much. I'm just going to sit around and wait till I hit 30. Well, but the problem was it was not just the $2 million at age 30. The problem was the person you raised to be that freaking lazy, you know, that mediocre mindset. And, and so the fact that you plugged that into them before you made this announcement about this trust gift. And, and so that's the problem with a trust fund baby, you know, mm. right there, the classic stereotype. Because that's a sense of entitlement. Well, you've said that an eagle that doesn't—is uh, it a turkey? An eagle that doesn't leave the nest is called a turkey. Right. I love that, and that's I think the worry for every parent out there. But he's saying, "Hey, my kids are getting an education. They have jobs. They're getting married. They're not stuck in mom's basement." And he's going, "Here's thirty thousand dollars." That's a very different. No, you situation. got. You should be in order for uh, a, a parent in Dave's situation to come alongside and start dumping money on the situation. You should be that they should already be on fire. And you're just adding some fluid. You're adding a little gas to the fire. Mm. Not like wet wood is sitting there and we're going to throw some gas on it and hope it lights up. That's a little different. That's the difference, right? I mean, so you're, you're all you're doing is trying to accentuate the good things that are already happening 
further those th- good things that are already happening. Not, But you're not going to, with a gift like wet wood. So the kid needs to already be on fire. That's the deal. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, listen up. When we invest, most of us have no idea where our money is going. But the reality is your investments could be funding social and cultural causes that you would never choose to support. With Timothy Plan, you can avoid putting your hard-earned money into things you don't approve of and invest in companies that line up with your values. With Timothy Plan's pro-life, pro-family filter, you can invest with moral responsibility while going after competitive returns. So while it's still true that you can't serve God and money, you can make your money serve your values. Contact your financial advisor today to see if Timothy Plan is right for you. Visit timothyplan.com for more information. Investing includes risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objective, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at timothyplan.com. Read carefully before investing. Mutual funds distributed by Timothy Partners, LTD, and ETFs distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LSE. George Campbell, Ramsey Personalities, my co-host today. Thank you for being with us, America. We appreciate you. We appreciate you sharing the show. Click the share button, following and subscribing and leaving five-star reviews and all those good things. Thank you. When you click subscribe or follow or you click the share button or you take a link and you share it or you tell somebody where you're listening on talk radio, it changes our life around here. It's our rankings, our ratings on every platform have gone up dramatically in the past 12 months, and it's largely we're blaming it on you because you shared it. Thank you. George, is a big deal, isn't it? Huge. And I mean, we hit number one on all podcasts recently, which was just a- mind-blowing. Number one on Apple, big time. We were doing the same show, which tells me it's largely due to all of the folks out there who are helping us share the spread yeah. the word. Yeah, we didn't suddenly get smarter. It didn't change. I wish I could yeah. say that. I'd like we just had to, one I'd like, amazing show, did it, Dave? So, so we had a breakthrough. No, we didn't. Just still here doing what we do. Linda's in Phoenix. Hey, Linda, how are you? Hi, good. Good. How can we help? Um, so my husband and I, we currently own a home. We've been here for 12 years. We have a really awesome interest rate on it, low mortgage. And we are thinking about buying another house. And we want to keep our current home as an investment property. But I'm just a little bit um, worried that it's going to strap us financially too much and just kind of wanted to get your thoughts. I wouldn't. (laughs) You wouldn't buy it? No. No, I mean, I'd sell the house and buy another house, but I wouldn't keep your other house. I know that because you have a mortgage on it. And and your 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 first goal to becoming wealthy, one of the top two things you need to do, there's two big things to get to the first million to five million in net worth is get your residence paid for, be a hundred percent debt free, and build up your retirement in mutual funds. Those are the two primary things that cause people to get their first one to five million. It is not leveraged borrowed rental property. That is not what causes the typical first one to five million. All the research we've done studying ten thousand millionaires. So uh, everybody talks about how good rental property is. Rental property is wonderful if it's paid for and your home is paid for, but that's not the situation you're in. Okay, so you say this house needs to be paid off before if we wanted to have two. Well, and you would need to pay cash for the next house. 
Okay. Yeah, we couldn't do that. Yeah. Let, I know. Nice. I can tell. Let's pretend you were sitting in a paid-for home and you wanted to buy a rental property. I would tell you to do that with cash. It's what I, by the way, buy have the done. rental property with cash. Everything okay. with cash. Never buy real estate with debt. Because here's what happens. You, you, you don't make as much on them because you're, you're eating up your cash flow with payments. And you, you, all of a sudden, the way you're dealing with the tenant changes because you need the rent money to pay the payment. Right. You know how much I need rent? I've got, I, I've got a bunch of real estate. You know how much the, I have to collect the rent on any of it? None of it because I don't have any debt. And so I don't have to put a bad tenant in there hoping they'll pay because I got to make the bank note. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. There's no desperation when you do it that way. And you're, you're worried that you mentioned that's wisdom. That's your body telling you this is not a good idea. And so doing it this way, it's going to take longer, but you're going to do it with a lot of peace and a lot of patience. Yeah. So if I were going to move in your situation, I would just sell that house, move the equity to the next property, get that personal residence paid off, and then start saving and pay cash for your first rental. That, by the way, is exactly what I did the second time I built wealth. The first time I was a millionaire, I did it with borrowed money on real estate, and I went bankrupt and lost everything because I was leveraged up to my eyeballs, and I was stupid. So I wasn't stupid. What I was doing was stupid. And if you're out there doing it, you're not stupid, but what you're doing is really stupid. So there we go. Well, then Dave, this was another part I love. She said, uh, we've been here 12 years. I love the interest rate. I don't love the house. I just love the interest rate. People are hanging George, do on you, to Do these. you love the interest rate that you have? No, because I don't got one. The interest rate you have is zero. It's a wonderful I love interest your interest rate. rate. Thank you, Dave. I love my interest rate. It's zero. I don't have an interest rate. But that's the toxic money culture, Dave. They're saying you should get obsessed with a low interest rate, a low payment. That's the key. No, the key is be... If you're going anything. to borrow to buy your home, date the rate, marry the house. The interest rate should be looked at as a temporary thing, not something we're going to keep around like a family heirloom. So Pass it on to my grandkids, Dave. It's a one. We're going to make sure everybody gets you a little. No, that's not. That's right, though. That's how people talk about it. And that's not making fun of her. That's just what. But that's how people think in America today. So, Linda, what we're always big on around here is getting you out of debt, keeping you out of debt, because it is the shortest, most sustainable way to build wealth, the shortest path to proven wealth building. Because you don't have any payments. You have money. And then you get to buy more stuff and help more people and be more generous. Chris is in New York City. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Hi, George. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Well, I am uh, hoping to get some advice from you uh, in terms of streamlining and uh, streamlining and um, simplifying our investments. Uh, we rent right now. Uh, we also, uh, our business uh, is mortgaging a property, and that's, uh, we have about 350 left in the mortgage. But we also own outright a rental property that's uh, probably worth about 200 and I have, we have, my wife and I have um, about 55000 in a whole life policy and sixty five in stocks. And I was thinking maybe we should sell the rental and then cash out uh, the life insurance policy and the stocks to pay off, either pay off the mortgage on the business building or to buy a place to live outright. 
so I was hoping to you could help me shed some light. Oh, either one of those would be a wonderful idea. Neither one, neither, I mean, either one's fine with me. If you buy a home, then what we're going to do is lean over next and start using cash flow to start paying off the, the business mortgage. If you pay off the mortgage, we're going to use the cash flow to start saving up to buy a house either way. So, um, I mean, at the end of the story, both properties are debt-free, and uh, that, that end is not that far down the road. I mean, at the end of three to five years from today, that's where you ought to be. What's your household income? Uh, we make uh, about one twenty a year. Okay, all right, right. And uh, what what has made it so difficult is our rent is just really. Uh, our landlord has been wonderful, and the rent has been so cheap. But, yeah, that, that's uh, that's I nice. Started but... listening to you about a month ago, you know, and I feel like yeah, it's 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 time to make things simpler. Yeah, and so and I like things, I like uh, your idea of simplicity, but also, you know, the, you may have cheap rent, but that property is going up in value in his name. That's you're, you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. You want to be an owner, not a loaner, so, man. So you'll get there. I would do this move anyways. I would cash out this whole life policy. I'm selling the stocks. And I think simplifying your life without the volatility of the stocks, without the crappiness of that whole life policy, your life's going to be better. Yeah. And get rid of the rental and buy you a home. I, I like this. That. I can like get that. you another rental later on down the road. But. Yeah. I mean, you're, you make good money and you get the business paid off and uh, you're sitting there really making some serious money. No house payment, no business payment. Boom, mm-hmm. boom. We've got what we call margin at that Increased point. Increased cash flow. Cash flow. Yeah, money's flying everywhere. You start stacking cash at that point, and you can get your, um, I mean, you get yourself in a really, really pretty position. Mm. The thing snowballs in the right direction, you know, because the more of the stuff you own that you don't have payments and you've got a good income, uh, you know, it starts feeding on itself. And all of a sudden you look over there and it's, where's all this money come from? Oh, I'm not giving it all to the bank. I'm not supporting those towers in the skyline that has furniture nicer than I have. It is amazing when you look at the rental property numbers people share, and they go, "I'm gonna go, how much are you making a year off of this? Twelve hundred bucks, hundred bucks a month." I'm like, "You're doing all of this for twelve hundred dollars?" Which also means, by the way, they're probably losing money. Oh yeah. At the end of the day, I mean that's that's not our friend on the call here, but that's no. many people out there. They're doing oh. too much at once, fiddling around, trying to skip ahead. Yeah, you have a hundred dollar a month cash flow. You're not making money because. Um, I mean, one heating and air filter, and you're done. You know, oh my gosh. You're in the red. Just one little thing, one little one little sink issue, you're done. Yeah, ah, there's no, no room in that. That's no fun. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make health care more affordable. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. George Camel, Ramsey personality, co-host of Smart Money Happy Hour with Rachel Cruz. He's my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Michael is with us. Michael's in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, Michael, how are you? Great. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Um, my girlfriend and I are being uh, getting married uh, this year, and um, 
we are combining households. Um, we both have, she has a grown child and I have two kids that are getting ready to go into college and, uh, just trying to see what's the best way to kind of combine, uh, you know, with a blended family and assets, you know, previous assets and things like that. Um, what's the best way of going about combining that fairly where, you know, my kids are taken care of the way I've been planning for years and, and, and obviously her thoughts as well with her own. Hmm. Well, it, it's an emotional series of decisions. Um, and, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a wrong way or a right way to do it. It's whatever you guys sit down and come up with is the right way. I don't think there's an immoral or a moral issue or an ethics issue. Um, I'm old school on kids. And so our kids understood when they were growing up that the number one thing in my life was not them. It was their mother. I understand. It was their mother. And they get their second right behind their mother. But don't get between me and your mother. That won't work well for you. And so, uh, were I to remarry, if Sharon were to pass away, um, I would have the same concerns that you've got, but I would want to, my first goal would be to that, to take care of my wife. Sure. And so my second, my second goal would be if there's anything left, we can help the kids, but they're like supposed to be grown ups and on their own. Correct. And I agree. Um, I guess more of a technical question too was, you know, um, maybe not. Uh, I have a home that's paid for and she has a home that's still got a mortgage on it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we don't have any debt. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a 401k in my retirement and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically she has basically her home is her asset that she's been thinking of leaving to her kids or her child, you know, but someday, or it'd be her really her only asset that I'm going to combine my home, sell mine entirely and put all of that into hers. So, start to pay off a big chunk of the mortgage and do some improvements and then we yeah, which together, will change her plan there. that would change her plan if you're going to yeah, be living there and she good. dies and it's her and the house is going to her kids she's going to make her new husband homeless correct after yeah, you put money would, in it is there a way to yes i guess that's a way how do you how do you lay things out where i don't i don't know i guess to put her mind at ease i'm not really sure how to word that where you yeah. know things will be there's not good. a there's there, there's um i mean you, you could you, you could start using a bunch of trusts and have putting things into a trust and the trust has certain terms to it and you're going to spend a ton of money on that um and um but i i think what you're feeling is a natural tension and i would feel the same tension if i were in your shoes and i'm validating that but i think the two of you have got to decide okay what is more important to the two of you, if you're going to take several hundred thousand dollars, dump it into her house, right? And yep. now it becomes our house. Oh, but wait, it's going to her kids. Well, that's screwed up. That's going to create a yep. problem. And so maybe her her plan is going to change now. You know? Yeah. Maybe her new husband is going to get the house if she dies. And, yep. and uh, really, in my my thoughts were, whoever goes first, obviously the other person, that's is everything is theirs. And yep. then when they're gone, it can go, you know, three ways to everybody and divide it up. However, you know, yeah. Or you can leave the portion that was going to be her house to her kid and the portion that was going to be your stuff to your kids. I mean, there's no, there's no right or wrong thing. And it's not wrong to leave the house to her kid. 
if she wanted to, it just leaves you homeless. And it's really weird. It feels, it feels awkward, you know, but I have seen that. I've seen where the the step parent gets kicked out upon death. Yeah. And it can be really, um, emotionally strenuous. That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah. So I I think that what I want to encourage you is really push through and don't, the problem with the other plan is, okay, you leave it all to her. She leaves it all to you. If you don't do that in a trust that states how things are going to be distributed, then the surviving spouse could change their will after the death of the, like say she passed away first. She left everything to you four years later, you're getting married again. You could change the whole will again. And her kid ends up getting nothing. Mm. You yeah. legally, legally, I'd be immoral. It'd be unethical Correct. for you to do that. But but legally, there's no way to keep that from happening except to dump it all into a trust upon death. And the trust has certain terms, and the terms are the distribution, you know, uh, maybe based on the past evaluation to to the kiddos upon your death or or something like that. Because you're you're not going to be able to undo that tr- those trust terms. So you'd have to okay. see an estate planner to do that. That would be a mechanical way, a tactical way to pull it off. Now, Dave, would it be simpler to turn this into cash? Let's say they sell the property and she would get that amount, let's say, of the equity as it stands today in an investment account. Would that simplify things? Well, she's, I mean, then he's buying the only house. Because mm. they know? have two houses right yeah, now, but, the paid but, for one and the yeah. mortgage one. Yeah, but I'm saying the uh, either way, she's either got her cash sitting over here to the side but if she passes away, she's just going to leave that cash, nothing to her husband, mm. you know, everything to her kid. I, you know. So the key is there's there's a lot of ways to skin this cat, but we have to be in agreement with both spouses, which is the hardest part. Yeah. And, uh, and just promising that you'll do it in your will is not binding legally. I'm not an attorney, but you'll find that out when you go sit with your estate planning attorney. That's what they're going to tell you. So, but leaving it into a trust, you could do that. You could set terms of the trust and it's locked in. There's nothing you can do about yeah. it. If I was in their shoes, I'd sit with the estate planning attorney, have them lay out all of the options, and then we agree which is the best route. Yeah. And then, but here's the thing. You, part of what you're struggling with is before they met, her children were her, her, her everything, mm-hmm. even though they're grown. His children since he's divorced or his wife's first wife passed away, whatever his children are, his only concern priority wise, but, and, and this new relationship changes the priority. The spouse now takes it that challenges seat. the priority position mm. in, in your emotions. And so that that's the hard thing to walk through. And it's very real. I mean, I, I, I haven't had to do it, thank God, but, um, but you know, it, it is a very, very real thing. It's, it, it's, um, you know, but you, I like to think that I would want to make sure my new wife was taken care of before I worried about my grown kids. You'd hope the kid would understand, but I'm sure it causes I, you know, relational turmoil. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, it's, it's, you know, what is, what's the primary relationship? Who's your first team? Then who's your second team? Mm. And that's what we're talking about here. And so the kiddos growing up understood their second team, you know, we love you. They're the B team. And we'll take a bullet for you. Um, but, but, you know, you know, your, your mom's coming first, your mom's in front of you in, in priority. That's how but this I, do, I love the idea of the kids being we so self-sustaining. They're not needing whatever's on the other side. Yeah. And that changes the whole equation when somebody doesn't feel entitled to it or 
need it. The kid says, well, that was my one shot at home ownership yeah. was getting mom's house, and yeah. now you ruined it. Well, they feel like that dad's assets are somehow they're entitled to him. They're not entitled to him. You have absolutely no moral or ethical obligation to leave your children money. So your kid's doing heroin, don't leave them money. You'll kill them because you will leave them enough to buy enough heroin to kill themselves. Mm. So you, 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 you know, if you're, you know, think whatever other fill in the blank of any misbehavior said misbehavior, you will magnify the misbehavior. So you, the, I am under no obligation to leave my children money. And by the way, that's very clear around our place. They're grown and we're like, you know, you, you're, I manage these assets for God. If you're not walking with God, then you don't have the opportunity to manage his assets. Boom, you're out. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Just like that. Charlie, yeah, King Charles. Rachel's <laughs> smallest, yes. Uh, and he is a, a king. No he place. sleeps on a queen bed already, so that's I'm just the most saying. impressive part. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a neat question, Michael, and I, I, I struggle with you on it, but I encourage you to get closure on it. Don't just assume because you know what that does. Yeah. This is The Ramsey Show. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. All right, America, ready for a pop quiz? What percentage of Americans say they live paycheck to paycheck? Oh, pick me. Pick me. <laughs> oh, oh, the, the 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 big guy in the front row. That's me. George. I'm going to go seven out of ten. Yeah, it's, this this survey says 65% say they do. Six and a half people out of ten. There, there we you go. go. Half a person. So, yeah, and the, um, you know, I've heard as high as 78% actually do. Mm. So somewhere around seven houses out of ten on your street have too much month left at the end of the money. Looking good and broke b-r-o-k-e broke sitting at a stoplight burning gas they bought on a credit card or worse electricity that they financed on a credit card. oh yikes pick it on george here that's even worse yeah so you can stay stuck in the cycle paycheck to paycheck rat in a wheel or you can change something stupid has a gravitational pull once you get stuck in the orbit around stupid, it's hard to break the orbit. And you just keep going and going and going and going. And you're the wrong kind of ever ready bunny, right? Just a rat in a wheel. Just going and going and going. No traction. Living a life of mediocrity. No hope. Not fired up. That's most people. You don't want to be like that. Let me tell you how you get out of an orbit. Even if it's orbiting stupid. You have to expend energy to break the orbit you have to break the cycle break the family curse break the way you grew up and the way you look at things the way they talked in your neighborhood the way they the kids i hung out with at work well little man can't get ahead thank god it's friday oh god it's monday we're all just stuck sure hope we can elect a president who'll fix my life because i'm not gonna do anything about it Yikes. You grow up around that, man. I'm telling you. That's the worst country song Eeyore ever. is your spirit animal. I mean, come on. Seriously. Yeah. So, to kick off the year, we're going to help you. We're going to host a free live stream this Thursday, January the 11th at 7 p.m. Central. 
352,000 people have already registered. It's the largest live stream we've ever done. It's officially the largest. It's me, Dave Ramsey, Dr. John Deloney, Rachel Cruz, George Camel to my right, and Jade Warshaw are going to talk about navigating money anxiety, bad money habits that keep you stuck and how to break them, practical money tips that actually work. We're going to help you break the cycle, and we're going to give away $10,000. Ten people are going to get $1,000 each during the viewing. You have to be watching or you're not going to get it because that's going to be part of the deal, okay? So if you want to sign up, you want to watch, we would love to have you. It's this Thursday night at 7 o'clock, breaking the cycle. You go to RamseySolutions.com slash break the cycle. It's completely free, by the way. Completely free. Hello. Did I mention it's free? It's amazing. And it's going to be about an hour long. So I'm just picturing if you just spend one hour with us hanging out on a free live stream, it could change how this whole year goes for you financially. And if we can change how you think and how you look at this, then it'll change what you do. And if we can help you change what you do, then you're going to change your results and your results will change your life. Now, we're not going to change your life. You're going to go do it. You're the hero in the story. We're just going to show you how. We really know how to do this. Yeah, we're going to break you free from the orbit and get you on a different yeah, path. Yeah, and just just say, you know, this is you. You've been believing some stuff you didn't need to believe. You, you're better than your belief. Well, especially going into an election year, I feel like everyone just gets oh, man, angry. Everybody's worried about inflation. The anxiety is so high out there. They're worried about interest rates. Man, I'm worried about is the market going to crash? I'm worried about this. Worried about that. And let me tell you what, we can show you what to do. We can show you the process. And it's it's not magical. It's not get rich quick. It's not easy. I mean, we're going to teach you important things like live on less than you make. You ready to do that? There's a whole new idea. Concept Congress can't grasp. Nicola is with us in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, Nicola. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Oh, Mr. Ramsey, thank you so much for taking my call. Hope all is well with you. Um, so I, I, in my 20s, I listened to your, uh, uh, read your books and such, purchased a home at 27. Um, however, I lost my job after 10 years and I sold my condo in 2016. I live at home. I'm now 42 and I created a lot of debt for myself, but I want to purchase a condo in 2025. So I just wanted your advice and a strategy of, on how, what, what debt to pay down first. Um, I have $10,000 in total debt, um, three personal loans, three credit cards, and I have $45,000 student loan debt. I'm still in school seeking my master's and I'll be done at the end of the year. So I'm not currently paying that right now. I have $36,420 in my 401k. I, I know I borrowed from my 401k, uh, $20,000 to pay off my debt, which I accrued again. Um, so right now, biweekly, I'm paying one seventy one ninety four at four point five percent interest on my four hundred one k. All right. So what is your total debt outside of uh, you? You don't have a mortgage now. So what's your total consumer debt? Ten, oh. 10 plus forty five plus twenty on the four hundred one, right? Yes. Seventy five. Sixty five. No, the the four hundred one is thirty six thousand four twenty. No, the loan balance. The loan on the four hundred one. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, $14,000 left to pay. Oh, 14 uh, on that. Okay. Yeah. And it's 171 biweekly on okay. my paycheck and a four. Right, so you got about $70,000 in debt and you make what? Um, right now it just got raised. So 60, 60,400. I, you know, wasn't making much, but now I am making more. And I recently paid off my car in 2021. Unless your income um, but, changes, you're not going to buy a house in 25. 
Right. What's your master's in? What, what? A condo. I wanted a condo. Okay. In, I work in education. Um, I work in education, so it's obviously you don't say that much in education. So. Will this master's um, increase your income? Bedroom condo. Um, not much. Then why not are you much, doing but it? It's required. Well, it's required. Um, right now, I'm not paying for it. The school pays for it, and okay. because I work in education, it's, it's required to have a higher degree. But the school pays ninety percent of that. Nicola, you need to pay off seventy thousand yeah. dollars. Save up a down. Save up an emergency fund, then save up a down payment. Well, right now I have uh, thirty five hundred dollars. I just don't know if I should. But I have three personal loans. Um, thirty five, thirty five, twenty five. Yeah. And you have 45000 in student loan debt, and you have $20,000 on a 401k. You have $70,000 in debt. Okay, I didn't look at it like that, but yes. So here's the hard truth. You're not going to be ready to buy a house a year from now. It may be two or three years from now. Wow. We have to get rid of the debt You completely. don't have 70000 coming in in the right. next 12 months. You have 60000 coming in, and you have 70000 in debt. Right. Yeah. Um, what I was thinking, maybe I should pay off my save up this year, pay off, you know, my four hundred one k, the fourteen thousand dollars, just flat out paid off, or if I should pay the high interest rate that I have on the personal loan. I think we're beyond the math of interest rates. I would just list all of your debts out from smallest to largest, make minimum payments on all of the debts except for the smallest one, and we're going to attack that one with a vengeance, as much extra on the principal as you can throw at it. And that might mean you're doing side jobs after your master's program, after your full-time job. When and you complete your master's, when? And the end of this year. So 12 more months. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Do you have I, any time to do like, tutoring during while you're working on your master's? Not really. I mean, the job is, is pretty demanding. You know, sometimes I do have to work weekends. Now, you said um, you're living at home with your yes, parents? I do. Yes. Okay, and, so you uh, have almost no expenses. What are you having to pay for right now? The loans that I have and the credit cards. Um, I do give them, contribute $600, but it's the loans that I have, the personal loans. You know, situations happen, and obviously I did that. But Okay, the, honey, you're going to have to draw a line in the sand and quit borrowing money. I don't hear more, any more about your situations. You've situationed yourself into a, your parents' basement, and you got to quit situationing. So... Um, cut up the credit cards, get yourself on a beans and rice, rice and beans budget, anything you can do to increase your income, like tutoring, let's go do it, and uh, let's start attacking these debts just exactly like George said, smallest to largest, and it's going to take you a little while to clear $70,000 in debt. When you get that clear, you can start talking about buying a house. You may go rent something in the meantime, but I wouldn't buy until you get this mess cleaned up. 